there are people out there who believe that in order to achieve personal happiness, I must have career success. And they drive their career success so hard, you know, they work so hard for it. They don't care about other things in their life, you know, their health, their family, other things that are equally important. And they achieve their success. And yet they feel empty inside. And then they say, oh, to fill up that gap, I'm going to work harder in my career to get even more successful. So the more successful they become, the unhappier they become. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risks. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. And that's what this podcast is all about. I want to go back in time to episode 495, where I interviewed Adrian Chu. And Adrian's here. Adrian, good to see you. Great to be back here, Andrew. It's always a wonderful experience speaking with you. Yeah, and I'm, I really enjoyed our, our discussion. And just for the audience there, what I titled that one was Get Business Expertise Before Starting Your Own. And you've got a special guest with you. Maybe, uh, Adrian, why don't you introduce your fantastic guest? Okay, she's more than a guest. Uh, she's my executive director and co-founder and business partner, Yen. Uh, she is, uh, she's been with us along the journey uh, of Career Agility International, a company which we started back in 2017. And the past five years has been a ridiculously exciting journey where we've grown from strength to strength. And Yen's uh, background has been in headhunting as well as in career coaching. So Yen, do you want to do a quick intro on yourself as well? Mm. I think you've done it for me. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> and, uh, thank, you, thank you, Andrew, for having us today. So a very quick intro. I've uh, been coaching now for over 17, 18 years. I headhunted for about eight years and started my career a long time ago in sales. And I'm very excited to, to be here today. Well, I'm, I'm happy to meet you and also happy to see you, Adrian, again. And maybe the first thing to kick off is just let's just discuss what is your business? Who is the type of person that you serve? What type of, you know, what do you bring to your clients before we get into the topic of the day is your latest book. So, but before we do that, let's talk about your business and what you guys are doing. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Andrew. So, in my years of headhunting, what I found out was there's a lot of people who have career questions and they had nowhere to turn to. And as a result, you know, they went to places like YouTube or they asked their friends about it. And these were not the most reliable sources of information for career advice or strategy. So that's when I decided way back to pivot from headhunting itself into the career strategy consulting piece. And that's where we started Career Agility International. And we aim to help individuals, like many of our listeners here today, to be able to get the career clarity needed for them to enjoy their careers and to achieve a meaningful career success that matters to them. So over the years, we've been running this practice and Yen has been instrumental in the growth along this journey as well. And because of Yen's extensive experience in career coaching, the two of us have been growing this practice and we're the only ones in Asia, if not the world, to be running a career strategy consulting practice like this. So we don't look, we don't help people to look for jobs, mm. right Yen? We don't just help them look for jobs. And the metaphor I like to use quite frequently is that our clients need to understand, our audience needs to understand that the career is a very long journey. And too many individuals are myopic in the sense that they just prepare for the wedding and they forget to plan for the marriage, which is, which is a very, very long and 
no, not not necessarily arduous, but <laughs> it is something that requires you know looking after and nurturing. And so, a lot of what we do is to help individuals manage the career ups and downs, mm-hmm. you know, the little things that can, the changes that are uncomfortable. We give them some clarity. We give them some scaffolding. We give them some support to understand that it's a safe place for them, and they can they don't have to journey alone. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about when I started my career. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in finance in, from Cal State Long Beach, and. Pepsi came on campus and interviewed him. By chance, I got a, got a job with them to work in the factory, and, which was fantastic in Los Angeles. And I did my MBA while I was working there because I just thought I was going to get this done. But, you know, all along, I, kinda, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I just knew there was more. I wanted more out of my life and out of my career. So I was just exploring, which I'm sure a lot of young people are doing. And then I I traveled around Asia. I came to Thailand and I thought, whoa, this would be interesting. So I applied for a job teaching finance. I taught finance for one year and I just realized, no, this is not really for me for a full-time job. I'm not going to make any money. And it's just like, if you get to in the politics in, in a university, it's like disaster, you know? Yes. So I applied for a job. I became an analyst and I was 28 years old. I sat down at that desk and I can remember feeling like, like the heavens open, the light shine down on my desk. And I realized like this, being an analyst is what I was made for. That was 30 years ago. And to this day, I'm still charged up about analyzing and thinking about things. And I'm just curious, like that was kind of my journey. And many people are surprised that it took till I was 28 to kind of find what I love. But I'm just curious, like, what is the typical experiences that you're seeing people face these days in their journey? Can I just address a little bit on your story of your history and your background? When you described the generic wisdom, I think, of being told, in fact, from, from a young age, study hard, get a degree, get a master's degree, and then the heavens will open up right there and then. And that's not necessarily true. And that's a myth that we've been working to, to address. And then your journey of self-discovery, of exploring, I think that's very common for a lot of people, and this is to answer your question in their 20s, to want to explore. But what you were already doing was to instinctively gravitate towards the things that interested you. And that's what a lot of us do anyway. We gravitate towards the things we like because we know the things we don't, and we're going to be repelled by it. Like me and numbers, we just don't get along. Mm. I, I knew from day one that I was never going to be an accountant or a finance in any form. Oh, there's no way because I can't math. And so instinctively, I gravitated towards the human element. And then that's when I did the sales and I'm doing the consulting and I'm doing the helping bits. So quick answer to your question is that your journey is very typical of everyone's journey. It's sometimes we need to go out into the world to to explore it a little bit before we kind of settle into a sweet spot of sorts. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And so, yeah, it's very common. Yeah. I was also thinking about, you know, there's some people that they advise you, like, don't change jobs. And, you know, and there's a lot of people that are looking for a job to just lock into that security. And when people ask me, what's your advice for having a happy career? And I, I always say, quit a lot. <laughs> and I say because because the one thing you don't know what's out there, you know what opportunities are out there. It's hard to 
understand or feel whether those things are right or wrong, but what you're in right now today, you understand well. And if it's not something that you enjoy and it's not getting the best out of you, then I had the guts to quit many times, mm-hmm. you know, at different times in my life to say, okay, I don't know where I'm going necessarily, but I know this isn't where I want to be. Hey, what have you thought about that process? I mean, not telling people to quit, it sounds like a pretty risky <laughs> thing to do. Now, I wouldn't, we don't recommend quitting as your first option and whenever you encounter difficulties or any situation which puts you in a tight spot because sometimes the discomfort causes growth. But there are situations where if you look at it and in the bigger scheme of things, it doesn't tie up with your grand, with your grand career strategy or if it doesn't fit in with your value system or if, if the situation is unfightable and unwinnable, okay? Or you just had enough of it and it's affecting your health, your mental wellness and your emotional well-being, then maybe it's time for you to quit. But the big question is quitting is easy. Okay, mm. I have a friend who's a chain smoker and he says, quitting is easy. I quit five times a day, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what do you do next? Where do you go for next? Because it's not just about looking for a job. If you're not too happy in your role and if you jump in another job, you might be getting into more of something that you don't like. So yeah. that's why we always believe in career clarity. And Yen, any thoughts about explaining a bit more about career clarity? Yeah. I was I was thinking about Andrew's phrase, quit a lot, or at least have the courage to quit. I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of the clients that we speak to are paralyzed by fear. Mm. And so the courage aspect, absolutely. But I think what Andrew meant about quitting a lot is at least understanding that he's got a curiosity about the world and wanting to go out and find out, mm. find find something. So don't just quit as if it's a push factor, but to look for the pull factor, to look for what is it that would help, hopefully help make your soul sing a little bit. And so coming back to the point about career clarity is that sometimes when our clients are very emotional about something that's making them unhappy, they're unable to pin it down rationally. It's because they're emotional. They just say things like, I want a better job. I want a better boss. I want a better company. I want to be happy. I want a good job. Where are the good employers? And then we have to sit them down and I guess peel back the layers and help them understand what they mean by better. Mm. Is it money or is it something else? And most of the time, it's not money. In, in fact, uh, just to share an idea with you, which is an extension of what Yen just said, you know, we had a client once who said, I'm not happy in my job. I mean, I asked her why. And she said, because I'm not being paid enough for this. So what happened is that, you know, then, then we said, how much more do you want to be paid for it? And she said, no, I should deserve at least a 30, 40% pay because of the work, increased workload, everything I'm doing now, you know, I'm always, almost doing two person's work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I got, I'm not being paid enough. And that was her pain point which she felt. But then we asked her a hypothetical question. If you were given that raise, 50% even, would you be happy? And she said, of course I'll be happy. But for how long? And she paused and she said, you know, two or three months because <laughs> it's then she realized it's not the money that's the problem. It's not, not enough money. It's just the workload's untenable in the long mm. run. So mm. sometimes you feel that the pain that you feel outside is like, ouch. It's like, you no, know, you go to a doctor, you know, I got a pain in my wrist. 
And then you think that it's just something else, but it could be something else that's causing that pain that's doing. So we really need to have the clarity to find out. And that's why our clients come to us to, to get a bit of that therapy, if you were to think about it. Okay, the clarity, you know, we peel away the onion layers and, you know, when, whenever we use the onion metaphors, because when you peel away the onion, onion layer by layer, right, you cry a lot. So it's a painful process, but it's something which you sometimes need to do it because you have to uncover what is the source of your discomfort. It could be a trigger. It could be a cause. And until you identify what's bugging you really, it's not going to help you to jump into another job directly. I guess you're going to be having more of the same. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to go down to the core. You know, I mean, ultimately, all we have is ourselves in this world. You know, like if if we can't go deeper into ourselves and ask why and how are we feeling and that type of stuff, then, you know, what is there? So I think that self-discovery is such a valuable process. I was just teaching a short class on ethics in finance for about 50 students in India. And what I was telling them is that, you know, first of all, I have a job that I love and I've enjoyed it all my life. I've done it at different companies and now I have my own company, but ultimately I'm an analyst. And the second thing is that I have lived an ethical life and I never had any complaints against me from the regulator here in the financial industry. I was a leader in CFA society for chartered financial analysts without any problems or complaints. And I've never had any big issues like that. And so I try to explain to the students that if you, I have a lecture, I call 10 ways ethics adds value to you. And I just talk about different words like being confidential, being trustworthy, being diligent, you know, these types of words. And the, the point that I was trying to get across to them is that you can build a happy and ethical career mm. that you can have for the rest of your life. And I'm just wondering, from your experience, you see a lot of different people. Are people happy? Are people, you know, able to live this ethical life and career? Or are they under all kinds of different pressures that they, they don't know how to deal with? I, I see a lot of individuals who are currently under a lot of mental pressure. The world is very different. In fact, I was just talking to my kids at lunch that we were just talking about a specific video that came up in YouTube. It was, it was something that we enjoyed. And then when, when was this? And we said, I think it's pre-COVID. So the what we mark time today is like a before and after COVID and how certain things were amplified, certain stresses are so painful. I think the, the world that, that defines us today at work is, extremely it's so different it's so different than what it used to be so what hasn't changed though is that at the crux of it what's the common denominator here what are we all here to do we're all here to do something meaningful and we want to find i guess some level of satisfaction and contentment whether or not you do it through ethics or through giving of yourself or through something that makes you happy doing a job that's very challenging or doing something that gives you the job title, the gravitas, the levels, mm -hmm. uh, the respect. Every one of us are driven by different things. Yeah. So I recognize that and I'm learning very hard not to judge. <laughs> In fact, I want to take Yen's uh, discussion a step further because yeah. when it comes to ethics, a lot of times there's a, there's a very fine line drawn between what's ethical and what's not. You know, do I cheat mm -hmm. the customer? Or do I not cheat the customer? Do I like... So it's, there's normally a fine line drawn and... Not always, but usually there is. Deep down inside, you know what it is. I think what's more important is, however, that's more fudgy are your values, your own personal values. And a lot of times, uh, what we see is that 
some of the people in their careers that we speak to, the work they do does not align with their own values. And that causes dissonance within themselves. And I'm not just talking about whether I don't smoke, but I joined a tobacco company. I mean, that's quite clear cut that that would cause a lot of dissonance in, in your own. And in the first place, you would probably yeah. wouldn't work there in the first place. But values in terms of like, you know, I value work-life balance, but my boss doesn't. And then I bend over to accommodate him or a company's culture. And then there's a lot of dissonance and then I'm, I'm unhappy. And then it causes stresses, not just to your emotional well-being, it spills over to the family, it spills over to your physical, then to your family, then to your own personal life. So a lot of times we talk about values. What are your values that are important to you? You're having a having autonomy, that's a value. Being able to make your own decisions. But you know, if the values of your bosses or the people around you doesn't gel, that is a bit more painful. So we walk through and we ask them as well, what, what are your values? Are they congruent? Are your organization's values congruent to yours? And if it's something that causes a lot of dissonance, then you, know, you might want to, once again, quit and look for something better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just, just the exercise of clarifying your values, I'm sure, is very powerful for your clients. You know, this, this gives a great background of kind of what you guys do and what you're about. But I thought to get you on the show because you recently published a book and I wanted you to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, we've got a picture up there of it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about why you published, tell us the book, why you've published it. We'll have links in the show notes and all that so that people can follow up and, and check it out. But give us a little background on what the book is, why you did it, you know, and that type of thing. Well, the, the book was written, it's a, it's a joint authorship between Yen and myself because for the longest time, especially over COVID, you know, we noticed that once again, the values have changed. The old values of let's work hard, let's get lots of money, you know, let's focus on building our careers. Pre-COVID, like what Yen and I always call BC, before COVID, you know, like 5 BC means 5 years before COVID. So BC, it was all about that. But we noticed a shift during COVID itself. And now post-COVID, okay, what we are seeing is that there's a shift in values. And that shift in values is right now manifesting itself in the form of quiet quitting, manifesting itself in terms of the great resignation. And now there's a new term I'm learning is wanting to go after the soft life, which is taking things easier. So it's all manifesting itself in this fashion. And a lot of people are still coming to terms with that. And that's why we wanted to write a book to amalgamate and put together all the ideas that we've seen, the career concepts. And a lot of it are, a lot of these ideas are counter to what we were taught as kids. Okay? Mm. In fact, one of the reasons why we named the book The Great Career Paradox is because we noticed a very interesting trend in that a lot of people, I mean, there are people out there who believe that in order to achieve personal happiness, I must have career success. And they drive their career success so hard. You know, they work so hard for it. They don't care about other things in their life, you know, their health, their family, other things that are equally important. And they achieve their success. And yet they feel empty inside. And then they say, oh, to fill up that gap, I'm going to work harder in my career to get even more successful. So the more successful they become, the unhappier they become. And hence the career paradox. Yet you cannot achieve happiness through just your career alone. And that's mm -hmm. why we want to shift the thinking for our readers to break out the career paradox and then how, then what? Right, Yen? So to add on to that, the point they're trying to make in this book is to put together all of the wisdom that we have in helping our, our readers to 
manage these little speed bumps in this very bumpy thing called career journey. And so if we can help you take care of the career aspects of your life, or at least be aware of what you can do to manage your career a lot better, that gives you a lot more bandwidth and time and attention and mind space for the things that really matter. And that includes your family or your hobbies or you know, your health and other things. So let us help you, you know, figure out the strategies and give you that clarity a little bit in the book, the scaffolding, the frameworks and the logic and the points of view. It's a different point of view. It's uh, a shift you, in thinking. Right? To help you take care of the yeah. career so that you've got mind space for everything else. See, one of the big things that we want to dispel is that, that your career is everything. A job is just a job, honestly. And you are more than your career. You know, you can fail in your career, but you haven't failed in life. And if you fail in your career, it's just one episode of your career. It's just that job, you know. You can recover, you can try something else. And it's okay. You're still, you'll still come out on top, okay? But if you are successful in your career, but if you fail in your health, that sucks. That is a bit tougher. Or if, you're, if you fail in a family matter or whatever it is, okay, that's even more important in your career then that's a bit hard to get out of. So that's why we believe that, you know, you're more than your career. And that's why we get a bit upset whenever we hear people giving advice, so-called career gurus who go, you must find the job you're passionate about. Because if you're passionate about your job, you will never have worked a single day in your life. And we disagree with that. I mean, it's nice to have if you have. And most of these people have already made like a bazillion dollars and then they are doing the stuff which they like. But what about mere mortals and normal people who are struggling, right? Mm. You want me to get purpose and passion and fulfillment in my job. Yeah, but then it may not pay me as much and I got bills to pay, right? So so we want to shift the thinking into, yeah, okay, the career, our job is just one angle. One is a source for us to get resources for us to do the other stuff that we love, like podcast, yeah. doing a podcast with you. Yeah. You know, we're not saying that you shouldn't strive, nor mm-hmm. are we saying you shouldn't drive your career. You should. But we're, we're saying don't kill yourself. Mm. Yeah, because it's all about balance. Remember that, remember that phrase, right? I mean, no one's ever at this deathbed saying, "I wish I'd spend more time." At work. <laughs> and I wish I had answered those emails. <laughs> I wish I had answered those emails. <laughs> My clients need me. It's it's critical, and I help them save another five percent. And then, but if you're not there, they'll just replace you. Yeah. So, you know, we're not saying the opposite, you know, because sometimes the message gets a little bit garbled and people interpret it differently because when we say chasing success is not everything, oh, a girl, I quit. No, that's not that's yeah. not what we're saying either. You know, we're just saying you should drive. And I think in different decades of your growth in your 20s, you do want to accumulate more funds because then you can do the fire, which is financial independent, retire early, financially, yeah. or whatever it is that drives you, right? So do it. But don't I'm, kill you. I'm thinking when I'm listening to you guys talk, I'm thinking of like a bell curve or a normal distribution. Mm-hmm. The people out on one end of them of that bell curve are going to be happy and passionate and crazy and excited and like that. And then you've got people out on the other side that are just going to always be unhappy and no passion and no matter what. And a lot of times the advice that people give is for people that are in the middle to start to become the extreme, like, and that's not necessarily what suits them. And that, that's what I'm hearing when I'm hearing the way you guys are describing what you're talking about. Yeah, we're just, okay, I'm very philosophical about this because we get all sorts of messages online and everywhere. We're inundated. It's just coming at us from all shapes and sizes and everyone's saying whatever it is that they feel 
uh, is important to them. I think that as listeners or as, as, as seekers of the truth, you want to find the truth that, that fits you. And sometimes we, we beat ourselves up for not having found our career passion or we wish we found a career purpose. And that's okay if you don't because your career is a means to and then you find your purpose elsewhere. And it's okay too. And we all wear multiple hats. We have multiple identities. You're not two-dimensional. Yeah, or one-dimensional. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I think when, uh, when we're young, I mean, I was just talking with a very young student of mine who was just saying, I want to go into maybe investment banking, but when I hear about how hard you got to work in there, I'm wondering about that. And we were talking about that a little bit. And then I also look at myself. I mean, I've always worked pretty hard for sure, but there was a time I'm also working hard for freedom. So part of one of my values, now that you guys started, you know, you got me thinking about values. One of my values is the ability to have some freedom in my life. Mm -hmm. So when I set up my own business after working very hard for many years, one of the things I did is I went to live with my mom and dad one month every six months. So I would leave Thailand and I would fly to North Carolina, set up in the guest room at my parents' house, and I would spend one month working from there. So I was still working, but I was able to be with my mom and dad in the last mm. three years of my dad's life. I was there every six wow. months. That's priceless, right? Yeah. And so that's, yeah. so all the hard work I did before was worth it for what I valued. And now my mother lives with me here since my dad passed away. And, you know, the way I, I work from home and my office is nearby. So I go to the office sometimes, but most of the time I'm at home because I start very early and all of that. But basically every single morning I have coffee with my mom and I have wow. breakfast with my mom. I have lunch with my mom and I have dinner <laughs> with my mom. And I just think that, you know, that again, it comes back to values. And I think most people that know me know, yeah, I'm working pretty hard and all that, but mm -hmm. being able to, to spend that time with my mom. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. No, a lot you of times. You can't take that back. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we, we have to ask ourselves, what are we working so hard for? Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we hear people, real busy professionals, and they got no time for their family. They're traveling all the time. And you ask them, why are you doing it for? And they say, I'm doing it for my kids. And we go, are you sure you're doing it? Have you checked if your kids that they want you to come back at 11 every night, you know, travel four weeks in a month out? Have you checked if your kids, are you surely really doing it for your kids or is it just an excuse, you see? So mm. we have to remember our, and if, and if anyone wants to talk about the purpose of their life, you know, that's the real purpose. You know, what's the purpose of you working? You know, it's not right. just about your job, it's your purpose. What's, the, what's your purpose that the job is fulfilling? It's not the other way around. But so, Adrian, I wonder, you know, when you describe that situation, I'm sure that a lot of people feel like, yeah, but if I let off the gas and I stop working all that time, you know, things are going to fall apart. I'm not going to have... I'm not going to do as well on my job. I'm not going to make the money. How do you help people to let off that gas a little bit to, you know, take their foot off the gas a bit and start to get more out of their life? I think our job is not to help them take the foot off the gas pedal. It's to help them understand when, why, and what for. Mm. And once they do that, I think it would happen. The thing is, if we tell them what to do, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And that's us imposing our values on them. And maybe for them, it's seasonal, just like you. You work really hard in the early stages so that you can have the autonomy later. But maybe for some of us, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to give it up at all. So we will just strive for something 
and a happy, you know, gear gear four. We don't have to be on gear seven, mm. you know. And so everyone's different because they've all got different levels of motivators and, and yeah, things that make us the drivers yeah. are different. And different stages of their life and everything, right? right? So yeah. it's all about knowing what you want, knowing what's important for you at that phase in life. Mm. And you don't what Yen says, no, you don't have to drive on a high gear all the time. Uh, it's you're going to spoil that gear if you drive on a high gear all the time. If you go on, you know what I mean, right? It's if you go all the way or all the way. In, so the, the whole idea is this. It's about knowing about seasons, like what Yen said. Okay, It's about knowing when to pull back because otherwise you're going to burn out. And if yeah. you're burn out, you're absolutely no use to anyone around you uh, until you recover. Yeah. So it's like the same way right now, our approach to our clients and their careers. If you tell our clients, so you should approach your career like a professional elite athlete approaches their sports of their chosen field. You know, uh, you never see these athletes training and training and working so hard all the way until they injure or break a bone or something, right? They know when to pull back. You know, they know which muscle to work, which muscle to rest. They need to know which skills they can pick up from, who to observe, what mentors to have, what coaches to employ so they can be better at their jobs, you know? And, and they treat it like a skill, like a craft, like a science. And that's how we should all approach our careers. Yeah, and you, you both actually, I think, mentioned seasons. And I'm also thinking that what you're talking about can help us become better bosses too, to understand two things that I'm learning from you. Number one is that not everybody is driven by the goal of, you know, I want to, you know, achieve all of this stuff. You know, they just, they want to have a happy job and they don't want to push everything to the limit. And if as a boss, you understand the different motivations of the different people, that's a valuable lesson that you're sharing. The second thing that I was thinking about is that things go in seasons. And I remember when, you know, when my father passed away, when my sister passed away many years ago, yeah, I I was just depressed. I mean, I wasn't able to produce at the same level that I was before. And I think that as a boss, you got to understand that there's all kinds of seasons that people are going through. And so, having the ability to understand that seems like you could get more out of your workforce if you were good at that. Yeah. So one of the things that we're getting a lot of traction is, is with our corporate clients in helping their leaders understand this new skill called career agility coaching. We help them with the, the frameworks to have these career conversations so that they can motivate their people and optimize, I guess, their productivity but also to help their team members learn to be agile themselves because the idea being that we are the drivers of our own career, we should not relinquish control of our careers to the company. We should help ourselves and we are in the driver's seat. We manage our careers. And so if there's some level of understanding and on top of that, as a quick segue, we have a tool that helps our, our clients you know, have the data so that they can have more productive conversations I think that's getting a lot of traction. But just to share with you very quickly, my husband has a job that travels fairly often. I have three kids and as they were growing up, I had to be at least the one to manage the household and I knew I couldn't stray too far. I mean, it's, it's I think, not very pleasant to have to schedule each other's time and decide when are we going to meet at some airport somewhere as he's flying off to somewhere and I'm coming back from somewhere. I don't think that's going to be very healthy. So we made a decision that I would downshift a little bit. So I've been downshifting now for the the longest time in the world that I do and having taken control of my career, made a decision and found gigs that would keep me going 
at a happy clip. And it's an ongoing engine that hasn't mm. slowed down since, but it's not the engine that would take me out of the country. And I'm very, very happy to say, to report that I've been present for my children as much as I can. And I think that's very important for me. So that's just a quick peek into the career agility part of it and how our B2B clients, our corporate clients are really interested in this part of it. And that's why, you know, Andrew, we were talking about your purpose in life. You know, it's not just about can this job fulfill my purpose, but no, is this job in line with my purpose, not to fulfill my purpose. So like for Yen's case, her purpose is I want to be there for the family and that's unshakable. Therefore, let's choose the career options that fit that. For myself, you know, besides also being very family oriented, one of my biggest fears in life since I was a young kid, okay, has always been financial insecurity. Okay, because I didn't grow up rich. Okay, yeah. I grew up, I wouldn't say I grew up poor either. Because what I always joke is that never in need, but always in want. Okay. <laughs> but then I grew up in that situation where I was always financially insecure. And that's why even in my secondary school, I was doing, I was running small little businesses here, selling comics. I was always, I was always hustling as a kid. As I grew older, my first job in Shell, I had this concept suddenly of job security. But in 97, 98, that's about the same time you went to Thailand. Yeah. That was when the crisis hit and, and Shell was retrenching people for the first time. And I looked and I said, look, there's no such thing as job security anymore. You have to figure out a way to move away from job security. Because job security just means that you're hoping the company doesn't fire you. For me, it's more about career security. Can I have a set of skills where I don't have to be company dependent? And for me, I chose the path of headhunting as the career skill that I had, which was company independent. You know, I could start my own company. I could do whatever it was. The same, I guess, the similar reason why you did what you did, right? Independently. Yep. So, so it's about career security. And for me, that has been my driving force. Even starting when I saw that headhunting was on a decline back in, uh, 20, in the mid-2015, 16, I pivoted into career coaching. That's why... Once again, it's about career security. So that's what we are saying is this. You need to know the purpose in your life. Mm. And how do you then plot your career strategy around that purpose? But you must have the clarity of what's, what's important to you. You know why uh, you, you use the word paradox in your title. And I thought about a paradox that I was thinking about as I was preparing for this. And that is, I was asked to go speak to the, the regulators in Thailand at the Securities mm. and Exchange Commission a while ago, and they were trying to think about the problem that Thailand's facing is that people are getting old before they are accumulating, you know, the society's getting old before it's accumulated a lot of wealth. So mm. people don't have much to retire on. And so they're trying to figure out how to get people to save more, oh, yeah, invest yeah. more in America. Of course, we have 401ks and all these different things that they're trying to do. So they wanted to talk to me about that. And so I went to talk to them. I said, but I said, you know, don't forget. In Thailand, you have the most successful retirement scheme in the history of time. Mm. And they're like, what? And I said, it's called family. <laughs> and when I was out, when I go out and, and speak and do stuff, a lot of my Thai friends say to me, you know, I see how much time you spend with your mom and I feel like I don't spend enough time with my mom and, you know, like my family and all that. And I always tell my Thai friends, I learned this from you. I learned this from you 30 years here, observing the way that people in Asia connect with their family and stay connected with their family. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I wanted to think, what I was thinking about is this paradox. Here's this Western guy, you know, somehow 
showing an example <laughs> of taking care of their family. And it's not that common, you know, and I think if I hadn't been, if I hadn't had spent the last 30 years in Thailand, I probably wouldn't have done it this way. So my challenge that I was thinking about to the listeners and to the viewers is also don't get sucked into the Western idea of, you know, working so hard and putting everything else aside and achievement and all of that, you know, also don't hesitate to go back to the core values and the core principles of societies in Asia, which may not necessarily deliver the same thing. So I just felt like that's something I wanted to share in my life. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's true. And also on that note as well, for our listeners out there, and I'm going to be very unpopular for saying this, but don't be, likewise, don't follow the trends on TikTok and wherever it is is here. A lot of it is coming up from the West as well about taking it easy, you know, the soft life, you've got to enjoy yourself, you know, don't have to work hard. You still need to drive yourself. I mean, especially if you're in the front end of your career, you've got to drive yourself, strive for excellence, put in, put in your, your work and everything and effort, you know, learn as much as you can, make as much as you can. Of course, not at the expense of your health and everything else. But yeah, and then you can get to enjoy. But once again, like what we've been saying, it's all about seasons. You know, you start your career, working career, focused on the season of work and accumulation. You accumulate knowledge, you accumulate money. Later on in life, then maybe you can start thinking, okay, maybe I should take a step back and, and have the season of discovery, rest, and whatever is important to you. But you need to, there are bills to pay and there's a lot of adulting to do. Mm. And I just want to add one more thing. I wrote on my notes as I was listening to Andrew tell his story. It was this thing I wrote, growth mindset. So even though there are seasons that you never stop growing because mm-hmm. we're always going to be changing and growing. And so in the in the front end of your career, you're, you're accumulating skills. You're probably trying to accumulate sponsors and mentors. You're getting, you're gaining all these experiences. And even as you decide that you want to slow down on the career a little bit, but there's all that self-actualization, there's all the trends that you should be keeping up with because the world is changing at a pace that's just unbelievable. So mm. I think that that future-orientedness, that growth mindset, it, it should never change. I think, I think that that's going to help keep us going and keep us young, if anything. <laughs> I try new things. You Look at us both. and we're doing this on Zoom. Where we've yes. never used this prior to COVID, right? Amazing. Yeah, you both look very young, so congratulations oh, thank you. on that. Maybe in wrapping up, I just want to wrap up by asking the question to let's define the ideal person, the person who's listening, the type of person that's going to benefit from this book. You know, what are the challenges that they're facing and why would they go to this book? And then the second thing, where to get it, and also we'll have links in the show notes. And then maybe some final parting words from the both of you. I think this is where we're doing the Tai Chi. <laughs> the appropriate political term is delegation. Yes, okay. I'm delegate. As CEO, I'm delegating Bye. this. <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. I think the, the typical reader who would benefit from this book would age from 25 to whenever. There's experiences and stories and real stories. And this is something that as career strategists, as career coaches, we see the same themes over and over again. So there are a lot of case studies there of individuals facing such career issues that are not unique. And if our readers can just read some of these stories, they realize they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They're gonna realize they're not gonna they're gonna realize they're not alone in facing such situations and that there's help, that there's the people who who go through it. There are ways to figure it out. There are ways to make plans. It's all in the book. So there's 
no, I think everyone's going to benefit from it. I think as long as they're, they're working adults. Yeah, and even if you're at the tail end of your career where you're about to, or if everything is going right and fantastic for you, you know, we are so happy for you. It's still a great book to have because when you read it, it gives you a different perspective. And when you coach your juniors, when you coach your staff, when they come to you for your career advice, you have the language, you got the concepts, the frameworks, and the vocabulary to ask them, you know, what's what's your career velocity? You know, what do you want to do? Are they what are your adjacencies? What do you know what your skill adjacencies are? Are you able to to upskill, you know, deep skill? So these are very technical terms which we have created for as, as our own vernacular for this very new field of what we like to call career dynamics. So it's a new field. People haven't, people haven't, to be very honest, people haven't really been looking at it since Richard Bowles, What Color Is Your Parachute from 1974. Hmm. And it's is just updated and that's about it. But you know, this book aims to shift and shake the tree. We want to push people into, out of their comfort zone start thinking, is there a purpose in my career? You know, am I on the right track? And if you are, good for you then how do I help other people who are who may need my help and my counsel because I've been doing so well? Well, I think I appreciate, you know, getting a chance to talk to you guys and I want to congratulate you on getting that done and out there to the world. I know it's not easy and I know that there's a lot of value in what we've talked about today and I just want to encourage all the listeners and viewers to go out and grab the book and learn and mm-hmm. get even more out of your life, not just your career. So thank you both, Yen and Adrian, for coming on the show. And to everybody who's listened, I want to say this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.